for Jesus, and it's a blessing. While you're standing, would you please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. It's already been said, but guests, thank you for being with us. It's an honor to have you here. Um, uh, Miss Amy Mitchell has a lifelong friend, Miss Allison. They're from Arizona, so if you're mad at the heat, be mad at the Arizonans. And so, no, we're thankful that you're here. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had, we had some uh, family visiting from uh, Eastside Baptist Church in Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where Brother Jason Jett pastors. He preached our teen camp for the last couple of years. We have another couple from Eastside this morning, Brother Jim and Miss Allison Froth, and we're thankful that they're here, and so make sure to make them feel welcome. But all of our guests, we're just glad that you're here. It's an honor to have you. And for those that are a part of this church family in one way or another, it's great to be together. It's a blessing. Don't get bored with it. Don't, don't cease to be impressed with Jesus, and don't get bored with getting to be together. It's a blessing, and sure are, sure are thankful for it. All right, in Luke chapter 8, uh, we preached a couple of messages about the seed and the sower. And as we work our way through the book of Luke, we're now going to look at how Jesus wrapped up this parable in this section where he was teaching about the different types of soil and the seed that was being sown. And so beginning in verse number 16, remember for context's sake, this is coming right on the heel of this parable of the seed and the sower. So keep that in your mind. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. The point of lighting a candle is to maximize the light. Verse 17, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. God takes hypocrisy very seriously. Verse 18, take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, Remember the first phrase of verse 18, Take heed therefore how ye hear. Now go back to verse 21. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God. Period. No, 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 no. And do it. God, we ask you to bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. This time we're going to have the Connect Class Ladies Ensemble. Man, the, the Fiavis and the Engbergs are doing a great job with our, our college and career singles these some amazing young women and young men. 
But it takes more than great leadership. It takes people to buy in. And the ladies behind me and so many great young men are buying in. And so they're going to sing a great song that will be an encouragement to you if you allow it. And then after that, we'll get to the message. that I could rewrite history I used to dream that each mistake could be erased Then I could just pretend I never knew the me back then I used to pray that you would take appreciate the grace of our Savior and 
a scar, I know this is stating the obvious, but a scar is evidence of a wound that healed. And you can't be, you can't be so wounded that Jesus can't heal you, can't save you, can't redeem you, can't help you. Ladies, I sure do appreciate the beautiful job singing about that truth. It's a blessing. And by the way, you can't be so scarred that there's not a place for you in the family of God. And in, and in this extension of his family, we are, and we all have it in one way or another, and I'm just so thankful for that. Well, every pastor has quirks, some more than others. There are certain sayings that a pastor will be connected with because of how they use it or when they used it or how many times they've used it. I don't know, I don't, I don't know, and I don't want to know what you think about my quirks, what you identify as my quirks, what you identify as, this is one of Pastor Pyle's pithy sayings. I don't, I don't want to know after the service, please don't text me, email me, call me, or run up to me and say, well, I like, or I think, or you do. I don't want to know. I'm already insecure enough, all right? I don't. I don't need more help with that. But there is one <laughs> there is one saying that I know it's kind of attached to me because my kids make fun of me at home about this and they also don't care about my security and, and so I'll be giving them a command or giving them some instruction and they'll say, "All right, don't hear what I'm not saying." <laughs> You're a bunch of wicked reprobates like your mom <laughs> don't hear what I'm not saying no that's important sometimes people hear things that aren't there and they miss what is actually there in our text Jesus said in verse number 18 take heed therefore how ye hear Here's the title. Hear him the right way. Hear him the right way. Jesus, as I mentioned, has just finished the parable of the sower and the seed and the soil. And there were a couple of main lessons that we took from this parable. There's so much wonderful truth. The first message out of that parable, out of that section, was this. Don't blame the sower and don't blame the seed for the condition of your soil, for the condition of your heart. Your soil is your responsibility. Remember, there's four different types of soil that were mentioned here in this text. And we are, as individuals before God, we have the ability and we have the responsibility to determine which kind of heart we have in response to the truth of God. So many times we want to blame other people for what's going on in here. But what's going on in here is no one else's responsibility except for Jonathan Pyle. And I may not like the personality, I may not like the style, I may not like the approach of the one sowing the seed. And I'm certainly not always going to like how the seed feels when it lands on my soil. Okay, here's what that means. Every, when you actually hear biblical preaching, biblical truth, it's not always going to make you feel warm and fuzzy. 
Like, oh, I just feel like today I got wrapped in a rainbow and there were sparkles that were sprinkled on top. And I'm just like, I have butterfly wings now. No, sometimes you're going to be like, I really need to get to an altar and ask God for his mercy and help in my life. No, it, it, you, can't, you can't blame on the seed or on the sower of the seed what is your responsibility. The second lesson that we learned from, and this was last week, is this, that it's Jesus' desire that every type of soil have equal access to the seed. No, we are to be non-discriminatory sowers of the seed. You know, far too many believers in far too many churches have fallen into the trap of trying to evaluate soil instead of just sowing as much seed as we possibly can. Well, I don't think that person's going to be responsive, and I don't think a church planning effort there is going to work, and I really don't think supporting missions over there, and I really don't think my neighbor, and we just prove ourselves to be masters of evaluating soil instead of humbling ourselves and trusting the sufficiency of the word of God and just sow the seed. Just love people and invest in people and let the word of God do what it only can do. Man, it's helpful. And so I, I shared with our church, I want to remind you of this. I shared with our church a couple of goals from a church perspective. I encourage you to have some individual goals, but these are some church goals that we're going to have with our missions program. We want to support a church planter in every state. And that's just the start. I mean, once we, if the Lord allows us to get all 50 states, it's not like we're going to, okay, we're done. No, no, we're going to see what else we can do. A church planner in every state. We want to support a missionary in every country. You know, that's, that's really way out there. Yeah, but we have a big God. And I don't just want to have big goals for uh, having a building or having a property. I want to have big goals for the things that matter eternally. And I want those goals to exceed the goals that we have that are visible to men. That's what Jesus wants. So what's going on here? What does that have to do with the passage that we just read? Well, Jesus, the eternal God, is giving eternal truth that is supposed to affect the way his people live their lives. I just summarized it for you. you know, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, you're supposed to take responsibility for your heart and not blame what's going on in your life on what other people are doing, but let God affect your life. Number two, you are responsible to be a part of sowing as much seed as you possibly can while you have life and while you have time. Jesus is giving, the eternal God is giving eternal truth that is supposed to affect the way you live your life. So he gives an illustration that his disciples and the multitudes that were there would hear. Look back at verse number 4 of Luke 8. And when much people were gathered together. And it later says they were come out of every city. He's not just talking to a handful of people. He's talking to hundreds, maybe, maybe thousands. Multitudes are there. So his illustration is this. A candle is lit not to be hidden, but to be visible. They didn't have electricity, and they would use candles and types of candlesticks. You know what this is like. You get up in the middle of the night, you can flip on a lamp or hit a switch or turn on a flashlight. They didn't have access to that kind 
of technology. And so the common way to make light when it was dark would be to light a candle. One of the kids is sick. You know kids got sick in Bible times. You know the emergency. Moms have this intuition. They wake up in the middle of the night right before they hear the churning sounds of someone losing their stomach on the top bunk of a bed. Okay, that was way too much detail. It's like, you don't want to handle that in the dark. You don't want to turn the light on either. (laughs) But you gotta. It's like, maybe if I just leave the lights off, it'll go away. I'm just going to move you to the floor, wrap you up. Yeah, maybe it'll be all right. No, you got to turn the light on. So you can can see, well, they would light a candle. Maybe the goat got out of the pen again. You hear the neighbor across the street. Dave, your goat's in my flowers again. Okay, maybe y'all don't know what that's like. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what they would have gone through. Some type of emergency or a guest is staying late. It's been so great to have my brother and my sister-in-law and their kids here with us for a few days. And, and we end up staying up late. And, and I'm thankful for electricity and light that allows us to have interaction and and to hang out. And so you have guests that would be over. And so you're lighting a candle. The point is this. Jesus said it in verse 16. No one lights a candle and then hides it. That's not the point of a candle. The point of a candle is to spread light. It's to be visible so that people can see the way. Get it? That's what he's saying. They would understand that. Yeah. People would be like, yeah, I can't remember the last time I lit a candle and then hit it. defeats the purpose the candle is lit to maximize its light then he gives an or he gives a confrontation about two very specific areas look at verse number 17 you first of all you can't hide anything from god Okay, remember the multitudes in verse 4? They're looking at that light. They're thinking, yeah, I can't remember the last time I lit a candle to hide it. No, I, I light a candle so that I can see it. And then he says, nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Now, can I be honest with you? Thank you. I am really, and I'm not, I'm not being facetious or silly or sarcastic about this in any way. I am certain that salvation, based on the authority of the word of God, salvation is exclusively by grace alone. I believe that to be 1,000% true. It can't be more true. Nobody goes to heaven because of what they do. We are only accepted by God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And you come into church doesn't get you into heaven or earn you you bonus points. And you doing certain good things outside of this body doesn't somehow increase your favor with God. No, you are saved. You are a child of God exclusively because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have to give an account. I'm I'm not excited about that, every aspect of that. No, I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful for grace. But I know that I haven't been perfect in thought. I know that I haven't been perfect in word. 
I know that I haven't been perfect indeed. And I know that one day I'm going to have to stand and give an account for everything that I did. But I don't, I don't even think that's the main point here, though. I think that should motivate us. But here's the main point. The main point is people that would be one thing when they were following Jesus, but then something else when he wasn't around. Given enough time, the truth about who a person is or what a person is eventually comes out. No, sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes it's not immediately visible. But eventually it comes out. One reason it's really important not to react emotionally to a claim that someone makes. Just based on their experience without any evidence. Is because the truth will eventually come out. You say this person is saying this and this person is saying that. Hey, the God will bring the truth out eventually. Given enough time. And then he, does, he gives this warning in verse 18. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. And then he makes a statement, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. You've been given. You've been given life. You've been given opportunity. He would be saying to the multitudes, Look, at this unique time in history, and you talk about a unique time. There's no time in history more unique than when Jesus, the Son of God, came down and became a man while still being God and walked among men for the purpose of redeeming all mankind. And they were witness to it. And he was saying, you've been given opportunity to know truth and to follow me. And if you do something with that, there is going to be blessing. Like Brother Feovai was talking about, there is going to be blessing added to your life. But if you squander that which you've been given, you squander the opportunity, the light. Look, we're, I know you don't connect the dots yet, but we're going somewhere with this, so please, we're almost there. If you squander it, you ready? This is deep. It's going to be taken away from you. So then while all this is going on, he talks about a candlestick. Then he talks about how every secret thing will be revealed. And then he talks about how if you waste what you've been given, it's going to be taken from you. But if you'll utilize it, your life will be blessed. During this moment, during this interaction, his mom and some of his brothers, his family, want to come and talk to him. Look at verse 19. Then came to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. Meaning Jesus is surrounded by hundreds if not thousands. They know that he's there. They can hear his voice and they want to come and talk to him. This would be, this would be normal. Now I'm just because I think the way I do, I'm kind of curious about what they wanted to talk to him about. We don't really need to know. We can just assume you are his mom. You want to know how your son is doing. He's traveling. He's all over the place. Maybe it's been a while since you've seen him. You want to talk to him. So she's trying to get to him. Mary is trying to talk to him. And then uh, some of his brothers are trying to, to go and talk to him as well. But there's a, such a crowd there that they can't get through. And so word begins to spread. And there's a messenger that comes to Jesus. Look at verse 20. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. 
So there's Jesus teaching, and at a moment when it would be appropriate, this messenger comes and, and says, Jesus, can I talk to you for just a moment? Your, your mom and your brothers, are, are, they're over there. I know you can't see them, but they're over there. And they're wanting to have some time with you. And that messenger was probably expecting that Jesus would say, hey, thank you so much. Why don't, why don't you just lead the way and I'm going to go see my mom and my brothers. But Jesus always had his eye on eternity. No, please get it. Jesus did not care about people's feelings as much he cared about them having the blessing of God and living their life for something that mattered eternally. Now, you can read the statement that he makes, and you can get all offended. To the moms in here, I want to encourage you with this. Don't, don't you dare get offended by what Jesus said. Remember that it's God who said it. When, and, and, and if anyone tries to use this to make the case, well, Jesus didn't really respect his mother. Oh, no, on the contrary. Jesus set the perfect example for respecting and honoring and loving his, his mother and his earthly stepfather. You say, well... Look at the statement. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Jesus was not diminishing the significance of his mom or of his family. He's helping them to understand the significance that he places on hearing his truth the right way. He's not diminishing Mary. He's trying to teach those that were hearing, hey, hey. This is how much I value. Who's talking? Jesus, the eternal God. This is how much I value hearing the right way. That if you hear the right way, then you are going to be like family. If you hear the right way. Going to be like family. Turn. I should have had you find this. Turn to James chapter 1. give you a moment since I failed to mention this at the beginning of the message. James chapter 1, be familiar to some of you perhaps. Verse 22, when you're there, look at me and say amen. And the rest of you that are still turning, I'm waiting. I want everybody to get this. It's all good. Take your time. It's good that we can be patient, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a problem. I know some of this sometimes makes people feel awkward, but nah, it's all good. Oh, it is. It's all good. So go ahead and find it and look my way, please. All right. James 1, look at verse 22. I want you to say the fourth word, but be ye doers and then he contrasts it with this but be ye doers of the word and not hearers what's the next word only this is the problem you can lose your place in james this is the problem with american christianity and i'm not saying that it's exclusive to america but in our excess in our levels of of comfort in, in the amounts that we have been able to enjoy, 
where we don't, we don't understand struggle in the way that other nations and peoples have to struggle. We, 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 have this, we have this apathetic and this indifferent form of Christianity that, man, Christianity is hearing. Meaning this, I can check it off my list. On Sunday, I heard. Now, if you're a part of West Valley, you hear a Sunday school lesson, you hear a morning service, and you hear an evening service. And then if you desire, there's a Wednesday night service as well. No, and, and we, don't, we don't take, we, we don't lessen the expectation on Wednesday night like, oh man, it's just some kind of cute little thing. Oh no, we're serious about God every time that we assemble. No, some people are coming from work and busy, and I know you're tired, but man, we try to hear from God. If we're going to come here, we want to hear from God. But that's not the only part of hearing that matters. Because hearing that doesn't result in doing is a waste of time and it produces self-deception of the highest level. You know one of the, what, why I'm thankful for this? I am thankful for the access that we have to the word of God being preached and taught. In this country and even in this world, it is amazing. It's amazing what missionaries can do in broadcasting sermons. It's amazing how many phenomenal preachers can be found. But here's the danger of it. When you have access to a church and you have access to so much preaching, you think that hearing is what makes you a successful Christian. Jesus was warning these potential disciples, you got to make sure that you hear the right way. You know what the problem is in many American churches? We're more concerned with human perception than we are with God's awareness. Can I please get this? God doesn't perceive you. He knows you. It's not, and I understand maybe that I'm messing with the word a little bit, but you got to get this. I, I have a perception of you. Okay, I, I, Brother Jim and Miss Allison, I know them from preaching at Eastside. I, I, I have a perception of them. I have a perception of Brother Patrick. I have a per- perception of Brother Scott. I have a perception of Miss Peggy Cook. Man, I hold Miss Peggy Cook in such high regard. I have a perception of her that's based on testimony in years. I, I have perceptions, and I could go around the room. I have, I have perceptions, but here's the truth. My perception is limited because I'm not with you all the time, and my perception is also limited because even though, I, even if I could be with you all the time, I don't see what's in your heart. But God doesn't have to try to figure out what to perceive. God sees all of you. And one of the things that we do is we get more concerned about how we're perceived at church rather than being concerned with how God absolutely sees us. There's a system of authentication called BAM. It sounds way more interesting than the actual name. It's biometric authentication methods. Biometrics is the measurement and statistical analysis of people's unique physical and behavioral characteristics. I know as a mouthful, so let me demonstrate. My biometrics would be my nose, shaped slightly this way. 
My biometrics would be my gate, man. I'm kind of like a squirrel that had too much coffee. It's my biometrics. I, read, I, I was listening to an interview. This dude, he, he's a health nut. He drinks 10 cups of coffee a day. I'm like, sweet, a health nut did it. Must be good for me. I'm going to up my ante. Man, I need more caffeine in my life. That's what I need. That's my, that's my biometrics. My eyes. The, just different movements and, and different characteristics that are unique to you, whether it's your face, your fingerprint, your palm print, your iris, your, your voice, signature, your gait, even keystroke dynamics. Biometrics. Now look, the point of this is not that I trust the government with this level of technology. Feel free to ask me at a later time when I'm not being live streamed if I trust the government. Type of technology. No, I'll just remove all mystery. No, I don't trust the government at all with this type of technology. The point is this, though, that you can authenticate who a person is by how they are. You can authenticate who they are by how they are. Jesus is challenging his, these who would follow him to be authentic. It's an admonition for authenticity. So just going back through verse 16 through verse 18, I want to point out three things that authentic believers don't do. Authentic believers, number one, don't hide who they are. They are candles under a lamp. And the per- they are not candles under a lamp, I'm sorry, but they are lit for the world to see. Look, I understand in this nation it's getting darker. And, and until the Lord comes, it's only going to get darker. The Bible says that evil men will wax worse and worse. I'm not saying there can't be seasons of revival or pockets of revival or shifts in movements and directions. I'm not saying that. But I'm just telling you, according to the declarations of the word of God, the things aren't going to get better from the behavior of people. They're going to get worse. And man, far too many believers can think, man, I just, it's not like I'm a floodlight. It's, it's not like I'm, I'm a battleship with all these lights that can be, be seen from space. I'm just a candle. But that candle can spread a light that has a far greater effect than you realize. And if just one or two people can be affected by that light, that's a little bit more light. That can affect a little more people. And before you know it what started off as a single flame suddenly becomes a burning raging light that becomes increasingly visible from further away I understand that it's scary young men I understand that it can feel weird young ladies I understand that some of how you are raised to a godless culture it feels awkward and makes you feel nervous and makes you kind of lose your breath when you think about what you're being raised in and who you're going to have to face but I'm just trying to tell you the world needs your light. Your light is necessary. You say, well, I don't really feel like I can influence that many people. It's not our job to measure our influence or the reach of our flame. It's just our responsibility, Brother Dennis, to make sure that our flame is visible. Can I tell you? 
If your Christianity is used to mock or make fun of or to be nasty and to engage with the world the, world, the way the world engages with us, you're putting a lamp over your light. Uh, we are not given license to be nasty. But neither should we hang our heads in shame because of a biblical view of gender, because of a biblical view of marriage. That you don't just get to define what you are. You don't just get to redefine what God has defined. You say, well, people really feel certain things. People can feel all sorts of ways. It doesn't make it right. And we don't need to be ashamed of that. We don't need to be ashamed of the fact that Jesus is exclusive. What does that mean? You don't get saved by coming to a Baptist church any more than you get saved by going to any other type of church. And all roads don't lead to God. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And your coworkers and your schoolmates and your teammates and your neighbors and the people you encounter every day, they need to see some light from your life. And an authentic Christian isn't going to hide that light. You know, you know what we're doing today? We are running from conversations. I just, I just want to get in and get out. I don't want anybody to notice me. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus needs to be noticed. Well, how is Jesus going to be? Miss Gretchen, how is Jesus going to be noticed? No, you ready? By your light being visible. Authentic Christians, believers, don't hide who they are. We're not looking for ways to avoid conversations. We're not afraid of, okay, these are not difficult issues. I understand the conversation gets weird because of how people are, but don't make it complicated. And don't make it, don't make it about whether or not God loves people. God, th- there's not a person God does not love and does not have a desire to save. Don't make it about that. You got, I can literally, I can go into a conversation with anybody anywhere with a smile on my face with this truth. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. I don't need to know anything else. I don't need to know what pronouns are written. I don't need to know what you've been through. You can tell me anything about anywhere at any time. And I'm not going to be frustrated or mad or disgusted. Because I know that as a living, breathing human being created in the image of God, God loves you. Don't make it hard. And just let that light shine. Number two, authentic believers don't pretend to be something they aren't. Verse 17, for nothing is secret. Look, I'm I'm not going to get into the philosophy of it. If you see people in leadership, you're like, man, they, they they dress pretty tight here. That's on purpose. If you ask, well, what's the dress code to be at this church or be a part of this church? There's not one. Clothes. No, 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 there's certain ph- philosophical things that we're trying to accomplish. And you say, Pastor, and look, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, this isn't critical about anything. The trend, from, the trend from leadership in American churches today is to get more casual. But I don't want people getting more casual about God. I want people being serious about God. Okay, so you understand that. But let me, let me illustrate something. Man, man, look at me. This, 
By the way, this suit is pretty. If you don't like it, that's on you. <laughs> Can I sit here for a second, may I? Man, look at me. I got this beautiful suit. <laughs> Better than that dude suit from South Dakota, man. They, uh, South Dakota needs to get some color in their life. <laughs> got this suit. This tie, sister, this tie is beautiful. Look at my Bible. You want to feel it? Look at that leather. Mm. Soft. Man, I feel good. Man, yeah, God, yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Love your shirt. Uh-huh. You like my suit? Man, no, 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 no. <laughs> I hate your shirt. Yeah. Got my Bible. Look at man, man. Look at oh, this is good. Yeah. I I look like a Christian. Yep. Okay, I know I'm being ridiculous, but get it. How long is it going to take you to get out of this building before you start complaining or having a fight with your family? How soon before the joy that you have during a song, And Can It Be, changes to criticizing? How long after singing His Grace is Sufficient are you right back in a pit of bitterness and resentment? This is, in my opinion, we've talked about this in different times, in different leadership meetings and in strategic planning and then just trying to wrap our minds around certain things. But this is my personal conviction. You can agree with it or disagree with it. But the greatest contributing factor to generational gaps in churches is hypocrisy. Because we insist on our children being one way at church, but they see everything else about us. And you know what they know? Your biometrics of your faith are not lining up. You say, hey, no, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And how many parents have said, don't embarrass me? Well, what we needed to be concerned about was being authentic just as authentic on Thursday as we were on Sunday morning. Authentic believers don't pretend to be something they aren't. Look at me. Look at, please, please get this. Jesus wants you to be real. Part of the reason that I, I am as transparent as I am in my interactions with you, part of it is because that's just who I am. And in order to preach how I am, I'm going to be transparent. But the other part is this. I believe for far too long we've tried to make church this some kind of pretentious thing where we have to approach God in a pristine way and people can't just work through who they really are and understand that, that you need to adjust yourself to God, but God doesn't need you to change who you are in order for him to love you and desire a relationship with you. And those, those things ought to bring balance in our lives. And I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not interested. I am not interested in filling up a building and then building a bigger building and filling that up with people that, yep, we checked it off the list. If we're going to do this, we want it to make an eternal difference. And the only way, Brother Pablo, the only way, Brother Fiovi, the only way, Brother Don, that this makes an eternal difference is that if the life that is in this place is more than just a checklist of things that we did on a Sunday, but it is a part of who we are, authentically permeating every part of our lives. 
So how does your marriage look on Friday when you're working through your finances compared to how it looks on Sunday? How does, how does your viewing of online substances look on a Thursday night when you can't sleep? No, look, I on purpose don't do this. In fact, I've started to get rid of social media. No, you can like it. I don't think it's wrong to have it. I'm going to try to find ways to maintain access. But look, 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 get me, get me here. Please get me. What does, what does your Instagram and your Twitter and your Facebook, the things that you are posting, what does that say about your faith? And throwing up a Bible verse every once in a while doesn't make you an authentic believer. Authentic believers don't hide who they are. Authentic believers don't pretend to be something they aren't. Last thing, authentic believers don't waste what they've been given. Give verse 18, for whosoever hath him shall be given. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. I am reminded, so I... I was, I was studying yesterday, and I had, I had picked up my phone or some, for something. I don't remember what. And you know how your, your iPhone, it makes memories? You know what I'm talking about? And there was a memory of Jason when he, he turned 13. And I just, I just, man, I just had a moment. Like, did you cry? That's none of your business. Like, be, like, he was 13 and he was like this tall. He's, he's taller than me now, but he was, he was this tall when he was 13. He's late bloomer, still, anyway, just, just small. And I'm just like, man, how much time has passed. How, quick, how quickly it goes. Brother Brian, you've got grandkids sitting behind you. Just how quickly it goes. And then I, I just started to think about, man, I, I wish I could go back and do a couple of things different. Man, my kids know that I love them. Ashlyn's 18. She's going to college in January. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for God's help for his grace, but man, I wish some things I wish I could have done. Think about Jaron, who's the caboose of our eight kids. and He was a baby when we moved here. You understand that Jaron doesn't know anything but West Valley Baptist Church. This is his life. It's our family's life. It's, it's all he knows. And I think about how quickly think about the privilege to be your pastor. This is what I think. I know I'm not going to stand before the Lord unscathed. Does that make sense? But I think there is a difference between having failed in certain areas and having lived a life that I wasted what God gave me. Well, Scott, I'm never going to be a perfect dad, but I don't want to be a wasteful dad. 
I'm never going to be a perfect husband. But I don't want to be a wasteful one. Or I squandered the life God gave me with her. I just now saw you and remembered that I called you a reprobate earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were in the nursery. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to waste these moments. I don't ever want you to be able to look at a service. Look, I understand every pastor has duds. I understand not every message comes across the right way. I understand it's not all perfect, but I don't ever want you to feel like you came to church and it was a waste of your time. I don't, I don't want to waste. Listen, please get this. You've got to work at making application to your life. We, we had this amazing group of single ladies that were singing. And we have other amazing single ladies that are investing in ministry in different ways. And we have amazing single men that are learning to find their place. And understand that if God brings a wife into your life, praise the Lord. But you don't have to have a wife in order to be useful to God. And, and, and I, I just want to encourage our single adults, whether you're there just because you've never been married or you're there because you've gone through tragedy and relational loss and fracturing, I want to encourage you, don't waste the opportunity in the life that God has given you where you are. So many times we look around at what we don't have, we look around at what we wish was different, and you don't understand what an opportunity you have right now. I say to people going through sickness, don't squander the opportunity God has given you to know him through your suffering and to allow him to be seen through it. To West Valley, look, I understand if you're here all the time, it's really easy to, tar to start taking this for granted. I'm just telling you, this isn't the norm. No, it's not the norm. Don't squander what God is doing in your life. Don't squander the opportunity to be a part of, of a work that God can use to affect a valley, to affect a nation, to affect the world. No, 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 I believe this. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, man, God's going to use us to change the world, but God can use us to change somebody's world. And if I'm going to dream, I'm going to go ahead and dream really big because I believe in a really big God. And authentic believers don't waste what they've been given. Hey, one day, no, th this is, you're not going to have to wait for the judgment seat of Christ to experience judgment in this area. Because if you waste it, one day you won't have it. No, I, 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 I think about this. One day, I'm not going to have my baby girls at home with me anymore. And one day, they won't have to listen to me. One day, I will have preached my last message as a pastor. And that day can come sooner rather than later. If I'm not living to be authentic for Jesus Christ. Authentic believers act on what they hear. You know how to hear the right way? Be authentic. Does your authenticity, excuse me, does how you are authenticate your claim to faith?
Okay, remember the biometrics illustration? How I am authenticates who I am. You with me? Does how you are authenticate your claim to faith? Or does how you are indicate that there is some fraudulent behavior in your life? I wonder in your attitude, is there some fraudulent behavior? I wonder in your habits, maybe, is there some fraudulent behavior? I wonder in your relationships at home and in the life of this church, is there some fraudulent behavior? Do the biometrics of your faith, how you are, reveal authentic faith or fraudulent behavior? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm not asking this morning if you're saved. I'm asking this morning if you are authentic. Jesus doesn't save you because you do. He saves you because you believe. But is your faith producing authentic behavior? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some have already come to the altar. You don't have to wait. And you hit the altar as soon as God talks to you. You don't need to wait for permission. Go. Come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there would be anyone who'd raise their hand and say, I got some areas of fraudulent behavior. I got some areas where I am lacking authenticity in certain areas. And I, I know what they are. And God, God spoke to me. And I just, I need to let my light shine. I need, I need to not be one thing one place and another thing another place. I, there are some areas where I'm squandering some opportunity because of my attitude, because of some habits. I just, I need God to help me be more authentic. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you raise your hand before the Lord and say, I got some areas I need to be more authentic. I need God's help. I see him. If that's true, if that's true, can we respond to the Lord this morning? If God, if God gave you the courtesy of authentically speaking to you, then you authentically respond to him while we sing. Let's stand. You respond to the Lord this morning.